It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are saying as long as there is breath in our bodies, we will not forget you. If we don't deal with this issue now, the problem will get bigger. The lack of empathy. These women need to get over themselves. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, WhatsApp is back up for most people. We're still sweating a bit on it in here. So bear with us if you try to get through to us on it at 083 396 Well, what were they on about? Like, I'm sorry, can anybody translate this for me, right? Our engineering teams have learned that configuration changes on the backbone routers that coordinate network traffic between our data centers caused issues that interrupted this communication. This disruption to network traffic had a cascading effect on the way our data centers communicate, bringing our services to a halt. That reads a bit like a press release from Bolseron. Like, what the hell does any of that mean? I mean, did someone drop a screwdriver in the wrong place or spill their coffee into a key? What happened? It sounds like someone spilled their coffee into a keyboard or something like that. We don't know. But WhatsApp and Insta and Facebook were all down for hours and hours and hours. And they're still struggling a bit this morning. WhatsApp is working on my phone and has been working for a lot of people, but wasn't working on air for the boys this morning. And we're still struggling to get it going for us. I don't know how what yours is working. You can't tell me because it mightn't be working. Uh, Instagram seems to be up and running. Facebook. I found Facebook rather slow this morning. What did you do, though, when you couldn't get at any of these things? Like, did you did you read a book? Did you actually pick up the phone and talk to somebody? Did you frantically look around for another way to uh, communicate? Like, did, did Twitter DMing suddenly become popular all of a sudden? Or there's another uh, messaging app called Signal, which is kind of more trouble than it's worth, but you can use it. Uh, there's loads of them. But did you just read a book? Did you sit down and talk to someone? Did you turn on the telly and watch a program? What did you do? What did you do the day the internet died? <laughs> but that explanation is just like that. That just takes... The entire packet of biscuits, not just the biscuit. 
Will I do it again for you? Our engineering teams have learned that configuration changes on the backbone routers that coordinate network traffic between our data centers caused issues that interrupted this communication. This disruption to network traffic had a cascading effect on the way our data centers communicate, bringing our services to a halt. I'm absolutely convinced. I absolutely convinced someone spilled coffee into a keyboard. It just sounds like they did. Of course Fergal understands it. Of course he does. He would. 1850-715-996. We're going to struggle with WhatsApp this morning because the databases are uh, not quite back up yet. But we'll, we'll keep going as best we can. Let's go first to Abby on uh, Tuesday's Opinion Line. I think, Abby, this, this happened to you and your partner um, about three years ago. Is that right? Good morning to you. Good morning. Yeah, that's right. About three years ago. Um, we lost out on a couple a couple of months' rent, basically, by a scammer. And, um, do you know, it's the type of thing you never think will happen to you. Like, cause I would have seen the documentaries about it and everything on RTE and uh, kind of thought that I was a bit too clued in <laughs> to be mm. hoodwinked. But, so um, what happened? Well, there was a, basically, there's a woman and uh, she tends to advertise a lot on the Cork Rental Groups on mm. Facebook just uh, the Facebook group so they have a few thousand members of people looking for rooms and stuff. Don't mention and any names now, I'd be a course. I, yeah, I won't. <laughs> and um, she 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 uh, advertises on those groups and she we put on a advertisement for ourselves saying that we were looking for a room for nine months okay. and we weren't we decided not to go through a, a leasing um, agency just for one year because we knew we only wanted the property for for nine months. We knew we didn't want it for a full year and there was no one doing a nine-month leases at that point. So we, we were looking for something um, without a lease and we advertised ourselves on one of the groups and she came, she sent us a message and said, I have a room in this house in Douglas and you'd be living with an Italian couple and a uh, I think she said a Polish couple. Right. I couldn't remember. So we thought there was going to be six of us in the house. And when we arrived, uh, we met her anyway. Uh, and um, she showed us the room in the house was lovely. And we said, that's great. So the date came to move in. And it turned out she was actually after moving 12 or 13 different people what? into the house. Yeah. She had converted the two lower sitting rooms. It was a, it was a really big house that had been... Um, it was out in near Douglas, like it was kind of a five-bedroom house. Like it had three, two sitting rooms and a gigantic kitchen. Yeah. And um, she'd moved people into the two sitting rooms downstairs. There was three guys staying in one of the rooms and another couple in the other room. There was 12 or 13 of us all together. In the so house. she turned the sitting rooms into bedrooms? She did, yeah. So we thought this was very odd, like, and uh, we started kind of looking for somewhere else to move to, like, because we kind of thought there was something a bit unusual going on. Um, but anyway, we stayed there for about two months and we paid her for the first, we paid her a deposit and the first month's rent. And then just after we paid her the second month's rent, um, one morning, someone came knocking on our bedroom door um, at about quarter to nine in the morning and we opened it anyway. And there were these guys here that said that they had to measure the windows uh, for the property. And we were kind of saying we didn't, we weren't told anything about this. Um, but they were surprised that we were there as well because they thought that the house was going to be empty. And it transpired that um, the woman that we'd been dealing with actually didn't own the house anymore. She had sold it and was supposed to be caretaking the property to hand over the keys in uh, January. And, yes, so the new owner had basically given her a few months to move out 
And during those few months, she decided to move a load of people into the house and uh, try and squeeze as much rent out of us as possible. And, and how, um, much, how much were you paying for this room that you were in the house that you were sharing <laughs> with 11 other people? I think we were paying 650 a month for the room. This is in 2018. Uh, I think it was 650 a month, yeah, for the for the room. Like, and we had no sitting room. We just had the use of the kitchen and the use of the bathroom. You wonder, um, is it legal? Well, I don't know. Well, we went to the guards anyway. Yeah. Uh, but ba- well, basically, we we were we we were um, sent a letter by the new owner informing us that the that the woman didn't actually own the house, and that uh, that, that would make it they, illegal, all right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he kind of said, like, you're not supposed to be there, but I recognise that you're victims in this. So everyone in the house got, got this letter, and uh, he said, you know, you have to move out, but um, he can take your time to do it. During this time, he- I won't say her name now, but she was still uh, she was still getting on to everybody in the house saying, um, you know, he, he has no right to kick you out, you have every right to be here. So she was still kind of sticking with her story, like that she owned the house, even though she didn't. And um, yeah, so I <laughs> so I messaged her. So how many, hang on, she'd converted the downstairs sitting rooms, so she was operating seven bedrooms, was it? Yeah. Now, when I say converted, I think it was very like I think she just threw a few beds into them. Like I don't think she did. Oh ah, yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, but yeah. you wouldn't take much to throw a couple of beds in. I'm just doing some she sums just, on a piece of paper here, like. She was just trying to squeeze as much kind of money out of the property as she could. Yeah, well, she it, in in the space of the month, if she had seven bedrooms and yeah. six hundred and fifty quid per bedroom. She'd have made four thousand four hundred and fifty euros. It was very lucrative for her. It was very lucrative, and she didn't own the house anymore. So you went to the guards, and I know that there was the file was sent to the DPP, but nothing happened afterwards. Yes, yeah. So um, everybody that lived in the house at the time um, gathered all the evidence we had. So, like, she'd given a receipt to... My dad had actually paid the deposit um, initially, so he he had um, a receipt from her. We sent on, you know, all of the bank statements with all the transactions. I sent on um, screenshots of all the uh, messages I'd had with her. And everybody in the house did the same thing and gave it all to the guards. It was all sent to the DPP, but they decided there wasn't enough evidence, and uh, she got away with it. And basically, I messaged her just after we moved out, saying, like, obviously, that you know, you told us we could stay here till June, and we obviously can't, mm-hmm. and we're leaving now, so can you give me back the month's rent I paid you, like, two days ago? And she said, yeah, she said she'd meet me next week. Um, because she had to leave the county unexpectedly. That was the last message I got from her. And then I never heard from her again. If I tried to ring her, she wouldn't answer. She she had to leave the county unexpectedly. Said, that was the last thing she said to me. As she texted and said, she had are, you, to leave the county. "Are you surprised, Abby?" <laughs> but the the worst thing is, like um, at the time, Stephen, my partner, put up a message on the uh, Facebook group saying, you know, warning people against this person. And um, that would have been about three years ago. And in the three years since, we've gotten messages from lots of different people saying that that she has scammed them as well. So, like, we've gotten messages from, like, at least a dozen people, and th- those are only the people that saw our post and decided to message. How, how recent did, did you get the most recent message? 
Oh, it was only about a week ago. Uh, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> she's, okay. still, she's still at it. And she seems to do different types of scams. Like some people are saying that like she told them that they could move into a room and then ran away with the deposit. So, right. you know, our one seems to be kind of unusual and that, you know, moving all the people into the house that she didn't own. I haven't heard anyone else saying something like that, but no. it seems that she's kind of a professional scammer, all right. She, she knows she, what she, she she knows what she's yeah. at and and how to get her get away with it. All right, Abby, yeah. listen. So you're saying that you saw activity, people saying that she's up to tricks as recently as a week ago. Yeah, a girl messaged my partner. Um, he he gets a lot of messages, but about a week ago, yeah, there was a girl said that. Uh, she was a German student and that they had lost uh, their deposit, which was probably more than the 650 because prices have gone up since. Yes. Um, but yeah, herself and her friend, basically they're students from Germany. She targets students, the foreign students, because she knows they won't be they, around long They don't understand the system as well and they have, they yeah, have been to, they've been told Ireland's very expensive so they'll, they'll hand over money. All right, Abby, thank you very much for that. A salutary lesson. That's a great story, though. Thanks, Ab. Like, she had a five-bedroom house, which wasn't hers anymore. She was caretaking it for the new owners. She converted the front downstairs to two new bedrooms, and she had seven bedrooms, €650 per bedroom per month, 4450 And she had to leave the country, or leave the county, rather suddenly. Actually, there's a, a thing I heard yesterday... Um, actually, it was on Joe Duffy's programme, I heard this. Uh, there was an ad at the weekend for a um, a locker room or a box room. And they only wanted someone who was quiet and was out a lot. And they only wanted to give it to you for two nights a week. And in the application, you had to tell them what two nights you wanted. And if you didn't tell them what two nights you wanted, uh, you couldn't have it. And for that, they wanted a, a box room with one bedroom in it, one bed in it rather, there was a fridge and a kettle and a toaster. You could have it two nights a week. You had to tell him what two you wanted. And that they wanted 350 quid a month for. 1850 715996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Let's get down, let's get down to business. We're back to the music. The Quartz 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Just like this. Take the 10 minutes survey now. And you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Quickly, we've had a call. Residents in St. Mary's Avenue and the Cathedral Road area have been onto the guards at Grona Braher about underage bikers speeding up and down with no licence, no tax or no helmet. They say it's happening most days of the week. These, I take it, are scramblers that are out in the street and not supposed to be. They've been reporting them to the guards. Thanks for letting us know. 1850-715-996. Right, Julie, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. Now, Julie... Explain a couple of terms to me before we discuss this. This is to do with special needs education. So tell me, first of all, what is an SET? 
Okay, so an SET is a special education teacher. Okay. They work in schools. So a lot of people would be familiar, primary school, a child, you know, or a small group of children might be withdrawn maybe for a little bit of extra support or the SAT teacher might come into a classroom and support the teacher, the base teacher there, you know, do a little bit of extra kind of station teaching or co-teaching with them to support the children in the class with additional educational needs. It would be a different thing from an SNA. Yes, it's different, yeah. These are qualified SCT teachers, yeah. And then what are banked hours and how do they work? Okay, so banked hours came in last year, PJ. So because traditionally when a teacher is absent from school for whatever reason, um, a substitute is, I suppose, the first preference, obviously. But if a substitute teacher couldn't be sought, pre-COVID what happened was a lot of parents would be familiar with the idea that class could be split up for the day. So, you know, you'd send five kids into this class and five kids in there and so forth. That obviously couldn't happen because of COVID. So last year, the department allowed the practice of banking hours when a substitute teacher couldn't be sourced. So they directed schools to use the SET teacher as the sub and the hours that that SAT teacher should have been delivering that day could be banked and effectively delivered at a later date. So just say for argument's sake, you couldn't get a sub for Monday and the SAT teacher was used. The kids that she should have seen that day um, could bank those hours and use them. Maybe you could get the sub next week and then that sub could come in and, you know, help the SAT teacher to give that time back. So he or she is due in classroom number 10 today, but the teacher from classroom number 11 is off sick. So she, yeah. he or she would take classroom number 11 today and yeah. do what they were supposed to do in classwork number 10 on another day and the hours would be exactly. held over. Okay. okay. Exactly. And some principals used this very effectively last year, PG. I know, for example, I saw one teacher online commenting last year that she had so many banked hours by the end of the, the school year last year, she could effectively hire an additional teacher for a short-term contract for a couple of weeks at the end of the year last year. And that extra teacher could, you know, give that extra support to the to the additional needs children and really I suppose consolidated their learning for the year and really got them back up to speed you know to to start moving on Um, Management of resources is what it is really Yeah Yeah yeah. Um, So unfortunately the issue this year is the department have confirmed late last week I I saw it online over the weekend that that practice of banking hours um is not continuing for this academic year. They say in a statement that it was a once-off measure of last resort in the context of the challenges involved last year. That's what they said in the statement. Now, the context of the challenges, I presume, relate to the COVID restrictions where you can't split a class um, and the sub-shortage. But PJ, those challenges still exist this year. They haven't changed, but the once-off measure that was put in place to counteract them has been changed and has been withdrawn from schools. So they can't bank those hours this year. Right. So if the teacher from number 10 has to go into number 11 today to cover the day, number Mm -hmm. 10 don't get their hours. The the, the children with additional needs are losing out on their access to SET support, which is an absolute... You can't describe it as anything other than a cut by stealth. Um... You know, they, they need SET is not an optional extra for these uh-huh. children. It is a vital tool to support them in mainstream school. 
and they need it. And, you know, they think that it's been taken off them quietly um, without parents realising it. It's absolutely horrific. And Julie, our SETs, forgive me, because it's, it's, it's a term I'm familiar with, but not hugely. Our, our SETs, are they, go, are, are they handled by the CENO or are they handled directly by the school? They're employed by the school um, and I suppose they'd have that extra qualification in special education tra- needs training. Yeah. So they'd have their but SEM are training. Are allocated through the CENOs and the NCSE or the, allocated by the schools? As far as I know, the allocation comes to the school. I gotcha. So you could have a certain number of SET teachers per school. Okay. You know, you might have one, you might have two, you might have three. But, but effectively, um, it doesn't mean that the, 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 what, ha- what was happening last year was let's let's bring it down to let's call let's call the SET Mary, and and Mary, yeah. Mary was due to be in in classroom ten today, but but Frank, who's the teacher in classroom eleven, has gone down sick. So Mary pops in, yeah. takes classroom eleven for their day because she is a regular teacher as well, means the the class she was supposed to be with in number 10, normally she would go in and maybe do that tomorrow when Frank is back, but now those hours are taken, she can't do that. Yeah, or it could be that the kids that come out for that little extra bit of numeracy or literacy support aren't getting that support. Um, And PG, I suppose my concern is children with additional needs are, you know, they're already at a disadvantage. They're already battling hard to keep up in mainstream. These kids very often as well would have maybe medical kind of complications maybe, and it might be that, you know, sick of that little bit more often, would miss school that little bit more often, might be engaged, they might be engaged with therapies outside of school maybe, for example, so they're missing school to attend SLT therapy or occupational therapy, so they're already missing school time as well. And the SET is absolutely vital for them to maintain their progress with their peers and to think that it's been re-diverted to plug a a substitute shortage basically um, it's not ideal but I suppose look you know we all have to do what we have to do with COVID restrictions and so forth Mm. Um, splitting of classes isn't an option Um, sending home classes closing classes isn't an option the schools have been directed by by the department that they must use the SET as a sec like as a fallback so they're not allowed to close classes Um, so So they still still have to use the SET as the sub but they don't Mm. get but they don't get the hours back they're they're not getting the time back you see so Ah. these children are losing out completely I mean you know they're they're just losing out, PJ, on access to a tool that they need know, to stay in education. And it's not there on the child. Um, well, my own child has additional education needs. Now, I don't think um, that we have been affected by the SET um situation yet you know um i know certainly like when his teacher was out there for a couple of days ill that we were lucky enough that our school could source a sub but pj i'm coming at this from the point of view that this affects every child um you know so my child wouldn't be maybe directly affected so far by using set days it's not to say that it, it mightn't happen in the future but I'm also conscious, PJ, if there are parents at home and they're listening to this and they're tuning out now because, oh, that's a special needs segment, nothing to do with me, my child is in special needs, they don't have additional education needs, they're not, you know, they're not one of those children. 
you know, I would say to those parents, actually, this affects every child in the classroom, because if you have a small cohort of students who need extra support and they would come out to an SET teacher for that support. Now, if that SET teacher is not available, those children are left in the mainstream class for the day. Um, They still have their needs, their additional needs. You know, they still need that additional support. Mm. Where is it going to come from? But the mainstream based teacher. And that means that every child in that class, regardless of whether or not they have additional needs, is losing out on that little bit of time one to one with their teacher. So this is not just um, an AEN, you know, segment. It's not just for special needs children. This affects every child in every classroom. Well said. Well said, Julie. Thank you very much. Because in, in fairness, it is a thing that, you know, unless it knocks on your door, most people don't think don't spare a second thought for special needs education and there's no blame to them for that but like you said this yeah. this this allocation or this change could affect them all one day julie thank you 1850 715996 so that's a change a change that was done quietly uh, what what it's saving money wise or or what it what resources it banks up somewhere else. I don't know. I can't see it, but Julie's got a good point. It could affect any child. Speaking of resources and the spending of resources, with this one in the National Development Plan, I'm holding this over from yesterday. PJ, is Michal Martin taking the piss with all these new projects that he said he'd deliver? Remember, he was Minister for Health from 2000 to 2004 when he set up our wonderful HSE that over a 10-year period, they said, would end hospital waiting lists and end our two-tier health system. <laughs> Minister of Amnesia would be more appropriate. 1850-715-996. And Eugene, rather, Eugene asks me, same question you get asked every year. Eugene, are the clocks going back this year? Yes, they are, Eugene. Yes, they are. They are going back this year. And hey, presto, they will go forward again next year. But they are going back this year. Thanks, Eugene. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Douglas Court Shopping Centre. They've got everything you need and more. Visit douglascourt.ie. Courts 96 FM. Yeah, so the clocks will go back on the night of Saturday, 30th of October. All right, they go back by an hour. And then they go forward again on the night of March 26th, 2022. There is a lot of talk at the moment about Europe time and British time and Irish time. And they've been saying for years that we shouldn't be moving our clocks in the autumn or in the spring. The only way we could do that This is just one of my bugbears, a bit like spring starting in March. The only way we could do that is by going back now and staying back. Because if we went forward and stayed forward, it wouldn't work. If we didn't put the clocks back on the 30th of October 
uh, in December, it would still be dark at nine o'clock in the morning when the kids are going to school. So that's what you get. If, if you leave the clocks as they, as they are at the end of October, which some people are saying we should, then it would be dark in December at 9 a.m. or pretty much dark in December at 9 a.m. So the only way to sort it out once and for all and make a decision is to go back and stay back. We'll probably discuss it closer to time. 1850-715-996. Now, Katie, good morning to you. How is your health these days? Hi, PJ. It's great to speak to you. Um, my health has improved a huge amount since um, I got my brain tumour diagnosis in 2015. Good. So good. it's been a slow recovery, but um, it's it's been a good recovery. And um, you may have been told I recently published a book. Yes called Heads Are Tales, uh, Surviving a Brain Tumour. That's, and um, that's where I wanted to talk to you, because you, yeah, you've, written, you've written the book, but this was an, an unusual kind of brain tumour. You were born with it. Yes, yeah, it's a very unusual type. It's, it's quite rare. There's only three or four cases in Southern Ireland a year. Um, it's called craniopharyngioma. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically a tumour with a cyst attached, and um, I've had it since birth. Right. Uh, thankfully, it's not genetic, um, but for some people, they can go through their whole lives and be unaffected. The right. tumour would just remain dormant. Unfortunately for me, it starts to affect me at 36. So, so what happened? How did you know that something was wrong? I basically began getting really excruciating headaches. Now, they were very infrequent, so uh, it didn't uh, kind of alarm me at first. I just thought I'd started a new job. Is it stress-related? Um, but what did start to alert me that something was unusual was I when I did start to get them after maybe two or three of them, I was also getting distorted vision. Right. I was like diagonal kind of zigzag lines okay. and one of my feet would also, I'd have a kind of a numb, numbing, tingling feeling in my feet. That's a bit frightening. Yeah, so I kind of said I'll have to keep an, an eye on this but again, like I might, I might only get one every two or three weeks. So if I was getting them more often, I think I would have been more alarmed. But what happened then? Um, I got a really bad one on Easter Thursday uh, in 2015. Right. Um, so bad that there was a kind of a not so silent voice in my head saying, "You need to go to the A and E." Right. Um, it was just excruciating. I've never experienced a headache. Um, I was just lying in the bed in just a lot of pain. And nothing would work, I suppose. Yeah, I ended up taking, uh, you know, just a few different over-the-counter kind of medications and eventually they did work. But what um, I want to relate to listeners is that I took a chance that night. I didn't go to any. I was deterred by the queues. Um, I was deterred by waiting times, which again... I'd advise no one to do, just wait, wait, even if you have to wait a few hours, it's just not worth taking the risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, thankfully, that night, the headache did subside, and um, that was Easter, so from then on, again, I was only getting them every few weeks, but the last week in May, I got a ferocious headache after work on a Monday, mm. and this time, I was nauseous. I was faint. I was very pale. Would, would they just start randomly, Katie, without warning, yeah? They would. They would actually just... And it was like an eruption. It wasn't even a kind of a gradual <sighs> headache. Ooh. Yeah, it was just like... Uh, it, would, it would come on really fast and it would come on with force and 
seemed to happen in the evening time. Right. And to be honest, the job I was in, it wasn't overly stressful and I had a very nice manager, so I don't think it was actually related to that. I was just at the time looking for answers in any direction. Mm. And it got so bad you passed out, I think. I did. Th- that night I went to South Dock the Monday night and th- I can't blame them. I had all the symptoms of a bad migraine. So uh, they gave me anti-nausea pills, a strong painkiller. I took the next day off work. I went back to work on the Wednesday and um, again, Wednesday and Thursday and work in a lot of pain. Thursday was definitely um, the worst because I felt when I came home, uh, I felt worse. I had to lay down and if I got up and moved around the motion, I was like a pulsating, excruciating headache. And again, that night I was nauseous. Nice. So on Friday, I went into work. I actually made an appointment looking for answers in any direction with an optician in case it was eye strain. Yeah. And I left work that day at half four and before I drove home, I knew I wasn't, you know, I was unwell and I just said a prayer to get me home safely. I was driving from Wilton to, to Douglas and mm-hmm. um, I got home safely. But when I got home, I, I started to feel unwell and nauseous and uh, I don't actually remember going to the bathroom. I can kind of remember just running to it. But when I woke up, I was on the hallway tiles. Wow. I was after passing out. So um, I I managed to kind of get myself up off the floor and I remember my speech being slurred and kind of, again, just asking for kind of spiritual help. And then I walked into the front room and looked out the window and I thought I was hallucinating because my husband, Donald, was coming into the drive and he usually goes to a spinning class every Friday. He never misses it. Mm -hmm. But that particular Friday, he'd forgotten his runners. And it was a blessing, you know, um, so he came in, I explained to him what had happened. Uh, in hindsight, we should have just rang an ambulance, but what we did do, which wasn't a bad thing either, is we rang South Dock for their advice. Mm-hmm. And they said to come over straight away. While he was on the phone, I couldn't remember what I'd done that day. My memory was going. I was like, did I go to work today? What do I do in work? What day is it? Very scary. Very scary. So we went to uh, South Dock. And thankfully, it was in the Kingsale Road roundabout. Yeah. Because when I got there, I wasn't feeling well again. And again, my memory is is vague. I know I went to the bathroom, but Donald knew something was wrong because I didn't come back from the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So he he went to the bathroom and kind of knocked on the door and he could hear me making moaning, gurgling sounds. He managed, he forced open the door because he knew I wasn't well. And I'd passed out again and I'd uh, vomited on myself. Oh, Um, God. Yeah, he knew this was highly dangerous, so he called a doctor from South Dock. Uh, he, the doctor came in and straight away said she needs to go to CUH. Um, thankfully, in Kinsale, uh, the, the industrial estate there, there's also an ambulance bay. Yes, that's right. So thankfully, we were able to get to CUH fairly quickly. They did a CT scan very quickly as well. And the CT scan um, showed that there was a black mass and that there was uh, fluid in the brain or hydrocephalus. So, again, I remember very little of that night. I do remember um, excruciating pain even after being given morphine. Um, they knew they had to uh, do a procedure that night, a drainage procedure of the fluid, um, get as much fluid and release the pressure. Mm-hmm. That they, like, they knew between the fluid and the black mass, you know, that that's what was causing these excruciating headaches and distorted vision. And was it three operations you had to have? I had four in the oh, end, so that was a, pro- they kind of marked that under a procedure. And then um, 
they did an MRI the next day that went well. The MRI showed that that's when they diagnosed the tumour as craniopharyngioma. They did, that was Saturday. On the Sunday, they did a craniotomy. Mm-hmm. Um, my recovery from that was very slow. Um, I was in hospital for over a week because I developed diabetes insipitus as well, which is um, went after an operation, uh, the anaesthetic. You know, you're re- you have an unquenchable thirst is the way yeah. I describe it. So I was basically releasing all the salts out of my body, all the sodium. Yes. And yes. so I was quite sick after that. And so they had to keep me in another few days. My recovery then at home was very slow. And um, I had to be, I'm on steroids now for life. And oh. um, because my body doesn't produce cortisol, which is the stress hormone. I see. Um, I'm also on thyroid medication and estrogen medication in the form of the contraceptive pill because my body doesn't produce estrogen. And right. um, so I was in and is that because of damage that was done by the tumour? Yeah, basically the wow. tumour is right beside the pituitary gland right, okay. and the hypothalamus all kind of in the same area. Wow. Um, so they, they removed most of the tumour but there was a tiny bit that was uh, nearly attached to the hypothalamus. They couldn't they remove couldn't get it. it out. And of course with it not being cancer the best thing to do is do as little damage as possible. Casey, what, what, why did you decide to write a book? I wrote the book because I felt at the time... Um, I was. I felt very isolated. That um, I couldn't relate to many people, especially my age, who'd gone through something like that. And mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to write a very honest story, detailing. I had another operation in September, and another one in um, November. That one I had to go to Beaumont, and that was uh, a different type of operation. It was done through my nose. Wow. Um, then uh, I had radiotherapy, so I speak very. Op- I speak very openly about all the operations and the side effects and, you know, um, the mental kind of... uh, I think your your message to people through the book is don't do what I did. Don't ignore it. No. Yeah. Yeah. And like, the you know, I was saying that there was kind of a... My gut instinct on Easter Thursday night was telling me to go to... A&E, but I just didn't listen to it and I took an, I took an, an awful irresponsible chance. So I'm telling people, if you're gut instinct or even just yourself, you know something isn't right, go and and if, like, some people are put off and they don't have health insurance paying for, for like, an MRI or just you will source the money you need, you need to get this looked into, yeah. you know. Um, and in my book, I provide tips on, uh, you know, just... Uh, if you have um, your organisation your organization skills sure, are sure. less effective. And the, and the book is out now, is it, Casey? It is. It's out okay. now. It's called Heads or Tails. Okay. And, and it's obviously available in all, in all good bookshops and online. Katie McGrath, thank you very much. Book, as she said, Heads or Tails, Surviving a Brain Tumour. Biggest message of all is do not ignore the warning signs. Thank you, Katie. 1850 715 uh, Just on last night, uh, what happened last night when the Facebook was gone and the Instagram was gone and the WhatsApp was gone? Last night I was delighted. I chilled out and I watched uh, the telly, a thing called Serpent on Netflix. A brilliant watch, limited series and a true story. Watched the whole lot. Stayed up till 3am. Serpent. I must look into that. I actually started watching something on Netflix yesterday or last night that I, I saw years ago when it was on the telly. And it is like it would it's one of these programs now it would never get released now because 
the people who were offended by everything would be all over it and would hate it from the start. I love it. It's called Benny Dorm. There's 10 series of it. They're only about 21, 22 minutes per episode. It's hilarious. It's basically fat Brits on holiday in Benidorm. It's brilliant. It is just hilariously funny. And Johnny Vegas is in it. Uh, I started watching that last night and just very, very amusing. Thanks for that. 1850-715-996. Anyone else do last night that they hadn't done before or hadn't did, uh, had time to do rather than be pootling around on Instagram or Facebook or WhatsApp? I, I feel sorry for them. I don't know if I feel sorry for them. The people who live their lives on Instagram. You know these people who say, I must go into the toilet now. Let's take an Instagram video. Yeah, I felt... Did I feel sorry for them? No, kind of didn't, really. Kind of didn't, actually. (laughs) 1850-715-996. On the National Development Plan or the Event Centre. PJ, how many more times is the Event Centre going to get more funding? Can you really believe anything that Michal Martin will say and do? Look what he said before the election. And he did the exact opposite. Well, this was about not going into government with the Fine Gael. Yeah, there's a conversation that'll come back to haunt him at the next election. But never say never again. We were saying at the night of the election counter, I remember being down in the in Nemo at the count centre. And um, the numbers were stacking up. And I think it was John Minahan was our analyst in chief that night and he said on our online coverage he said the numbers are there there's no choice in this and so that's what happened but thanks for that 1850 am I good to go with that one no okay we'll do this instead can we just talk the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM with McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie. All the stars on one show. This is Dua Lipa. Hi, this is Tiesto. Hi, this is Shane Khan. Hey, this is Anne Marie. Hey, it's me, Justin Bieber. This is Joe Corey. I go by the name of the weekend. The Hit Mix with Shane Bucks on your radio. Weeknights from 8. With Newmarket Motors Volkswagen. Test drive the all-electric ID4 at Newmarket Motors. Or visit newmarketvolkswagen.ie for more. Cork's 96FM. Of all the queerest things that politicians say... I'll tell you in a minute. Of all the... I mean, I just read it on Twitter and I read it again and again. And of all the queerest things that politicians there. I'll read it for you in a few minutes. I will. I must talk to Caroline first, though. Uh, Caroline Bailey from Sparkle. How are you, girl? You're recovering. Good morning. Hi, TJ. How are you? Good. Are you, are you getting there? I'm sorry. I am. I'm getting there. Thank God. I'm lucky to be alive. Yeah. Um, I actually came home last night. Right. So um, I was there for 13 nights, um, and so they were happy with my crutches, my moving on my crutches, so I'm at home, I'm in agony, but look, my recovery is going to get better and I will I will be able to walk again and I will recover from this. I was like, just about time. to ask you that. Have they told you about that? Because you broke what? You broke your pelvis and you broke your back. Yeah, I broke my pelvis in three places and I broke my neck. Um, but apparently where I broke everything is actually really good. Now it'll take time to heal. My pelvis will take about six to eight weeks healing. I can't put any weight at all on my right-hand side. So I have to go around in a wheelchair if I'm going far. Or I have to like crutch into like the toilet and stuff. 
and then my neck is broken but apparently it's in a good place so it will heal itself so thankfully I didn't need any surgery because they thought that I would have to go to Tala to get um, surgery for pins and stuff in my pelvis but um, I have to wear my neck brace now for 12 weeks. Because it last is a good place to break your neck, isn't it? That's what yeah, you said. It's I, funny. Yeah, I know. Because like, obviously when I went into hospital, I was like, okay, I'm alive. Yeah. It's a good thing I'm alive. But then I was waiting to hear how bad my injuries were because I could not move. Like, you know, but thankfully I could wiggle my fingers, wiggle my toes and good. I could feel feel sensation, which was brilliant. Like, I'm so, yeah. so lucky. Jen, Jen will have to wait on your hand and foot now for the next, oh, for the Jen, next few... Her new name is Nurse Jen now. <laughs> Come here to me. Tell me, Ellie, what a heroine. Oh, she is just amazing. She was the best ever. Like, the car flipped three times. We landed on the roof and Ellie was in the passenger seat. And, you know, I thought now that she was going to, like, panic and scream and everything. And she didn't. We were upside down and I was like, Ellie, are you okay? And she was like, yeah, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. I was like, you have to listen to me now. We have to go... Be very careful, okay? And like we were upside down, so I said, I'm going to have to unstrap your seatbelt, but you're going to fall. And she was like, okay. And then I was like, I need you to crawl out the passenger window because all the windows are smashed in around us. Because um, you couldn't move at this stage. You were, I couldn't you were banjaxed. Yeah, so then I, I unstrapped my seatbelt once I knew Ellie was out and safe because the next thing then was like, okay, I need to get out. The car is going to blow up. So I unstrapped my seatbelt. I fell on top of the roof. And then um, I couldn't move. My whole right-hand side of my whole body was just gone. I couldn't move it at all. So I, whatever strength, I don't know where it came from. I, I was like somebody in the army. I got my whole right-hand side. I just dragged myself out the passenger window. Um, oh, it was so surreal. Like, And you know, even when I think about it now, I'm like... Where did I get that strength from? I, I presume I was like, okay, I'm, I'm either going to die in this car and my child is outside. I was like, I need to get out to her. You some, know, so. some determination. And you know what? We might talk more about that uh, at a later date. I'm just glad you're recovering so well and, and mm-hmm. you're in good form. But come here. It must have nearly broke you to miss her Holy Communion, did it? Oh, it did. It really did because she made her communion on Saturday. But then on Friday, you know, you have all these preparation things. Like, you know, you get into the pajamas where you're wearing your communion pajamas for the night before. And it's like Christmas Eve. You know, you're preparing for all these lovely things and then, you know, getting nails painted and just the excitement of it all. And I obviously missed that. Like, but Jen, Jen was there to step up to it. And, you know, they still had a lovely, lovely time. And thank God for FaceTime because I was on FaceTime the whole day. <laughs> The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I am skating here laughing at what a national politician A well-known national politician has said this morning in the wake of what happened to Facebook, Insta and and, uh, WhatsApp last night. I'll tell you in a minute. I'm I'm laughing. So will you laugh when I read it out. Quick mention this morning. Today is a 15th birthday for a very, very special young lady, Lily Sue Maloney. And I'm asked to say happy birthday to you and love from all at number 76. We don't often do them, but then they're not all as special as Lily Sue Maloney. All right. 1850 Well, I tell you, 
Will I tell you? I will. So in the wake of what happened last night to Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram, Paul Murphy TD. We know Paul Murphy TD. He's been on the show a few times. Nice fella. Chats a good chat. Talks a good talk. He says, let's nationalize Facebook. This is a tweet. No, seriously. These should be fully public spaces, not private spaces masquerading as public spaces. So he wants to nationalize one of the biggest companies in the entire world. He wants to nationalize it. Good luck with that, Paul. Good luck with that. Let me know how you're getting on. 1850-715-996. How is your work-life balance? Something that I think we've all taken a look at our work-life balance during uh, lockdown and during the pandemic. I know myself personally, when I changed jobs to doing this job close on eight years ago now, my work-life balance changed entirely. Because in the newsroom and the senior reporter's job in the newsroom, which I held before and then Fiona held after me, like, you're on call around the clock there. You get a call at nine o'clock on a Sunday night and the whole bloody night's gone. That, and your work-life balance, you know, it's a great job, but it's tough to do. You come in here then, work-life balance is different in a whole other set of ways, but you have to keep an eye on your work-life balance and you can't let the job eat up your life. You also can't let your life impinge on how well you do your job. And it's something we all struggle with. Every one of us, I guess, that is lucky enough to hold down a full-time job. But here's a stat for you. 54% of women have avoided going for a promotion in their job because of how it might impact their work-life balance, which is a very strange statistic. And 55% of women feel that they can't succeed professionally without sacrificing their work-life balance. I can imagine that work-life balance is different for women because, look, they are the people who mind the children. They are the people who raise the babies. Let's. You can be as modern and as woke as you want to be, but that's how it is, right? So 54% of women have avoided going for a promotion because of the impact to their work-life balance. Angela Smitty is uh, one of the people behind Sustain Female Leadership and she's also a life coach and joins me. Angela, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Delighted to be here. And to have you here. Uh, Work-life balance is important to us all and it's dynamic. It changes throughout our life uh, according to where we are in our life and where we are in our jobs. But that's quite an interesting stat. Over half of all women would avoid going for a promotion because it might impact their work-life balance. Is, that would not be the same for men, I imagine. Um, well, I suppose the survey that we completed, PJ, was um, specifically for women because the, the work that we both do is leadership and career coaching for women. But I suppose it was conducted in the context of the pandemic. And at the time, I suppose, what again, another statistic from the survey is that 74% of the women were stating that the care responsibilities increased during the pandemic. Yeah. So as you stated in your opening statement there, it is different for women, I suppose, with the domestic responsibilities traditionally falling mainly to the female in the household. Yeah. So, yes, it is different. Yeah. And the idea that women would see a promotion coming up on the horizon and think, I'd love that job. I'd love to try for that job. But it, it wouldn't work at home. It's a huge consideration for people. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose at the qualitative aspect of the study that we had, we were overwhelmed with the comments that were coming in. You know, women saying that they were just fit to explode, such was the stress that they were experiencing. Now, this was again during the time of the pandemic with the homeschooling, you know, maybe four children around the kitchen table, you know, a husband upstairs in one bedroom on a a computer and um, the other, the lady downstairs on her computer. And she was saying, one of the ladies was saying that, you know, it, she just couldn't see a way how to manage an extra even hour in the day, never mind to have to think about going for promotion. It was just something that she would have put off. So how how do you tell your followers in sustained female leadership and the people that, that you work with, how do you tell them to deal with that? I mean, that's a reality. It's hard to change reality. Yeah, and that's key, I suppose, PJ, that reality thing. Um I suppose a lot of the leadership development programs that are there in the past, they were very focused on the traditional confidence building, negotiation skills, all of that. I suppose what we're looking at, myself and Ingrid Sign, is solutions that really incorporate the issue of career progression and work-life balance. So going from, you know, hopefully in the near enough future from I can't have a career and manage everything else that's going on in my life to, okay, let's see how I am going to do this because it is possible. So I suppose the first thing that we would say to to women really is to set your intention. So some people forget to do this. They really don't allow themselves to do it. They're focused on solutions to immediate problems Mm. and they don't look beyond it into the future. Um, So I suppose thinking ahead to your future professional self, maybe a year or maybe two. And if everything goes as well as it possibly could, where do you want to be professionally? Um, And I suppose it's a client that we met recently. This really resonated with her because she thought she wanted to stay at home or alternatively work some nice part-time hours because she thought that was her only option. But when she really looked at her intention, what she wanted both from her career and from home, you know, she saw herself in a more fulfilling role, role responsibilities that were aligned to her capabilities and she wanted to do it from home. So then it was looking at, well, what are my options now? And I suppose that's one good thing that has come out of the pandemic. There are more options now available in that area and that people can work more remotely you know, and can get more fulfillment. But we still have a long way to go um, in terms of that. And I suppose it is looking at the reality as well then. And everybody's reality is different. So you might have a conversation at home maybe with, you know, with how we were going to manage it all domestically here. Like, you know, can my partner take on more responsibilities? Are the kids getting a bit older? Can they take on a little bit more? Or a conversation at work with, with your boss. You know, I want the responsibility but can I do it flexibly? And they're the conversations, I suppose, that we help with in, in our business because they can be the hard ones to have. Yeah, we're talking a lot uh, in these days too, uh, Angela, about um, you know changing the way we used to work. A lot of people have gotten used to being at home. It's not ideal, but yes. it works. And a hybrid model would suit an awful lot of people going forward. And talking about how can you approach your boss about working a hybrid model. Would some people, do you think, some women in particular, would they go for that promotion, go for that new job, go for that career progression if they thought they could hybridize it and, and work part-time from home? Um, I think certainly yes, but I do think the hybrid model should be open and suggested to all staff, not yes. just females, because yes. there is a huge risk here if you just make it available for females that you lose out then. So the days that you're not in, you know, are big decisions being made? Are you given the kind of safer rules, for want of a better word, because, oh no, you're only in here three days and somebody else is here the five days. 
So I think if it's opened up to both genders and everybody is kind of encouraged to take it up, I think the hybrid model could work very well. But, there, but there's but thing, it's just that's something, Angela, and this is slightly off topic now, but when I hear people say that, or when I hear bosses suggest that about the hybrid model, or oh, you'll only hear three days, sorry, dude, I'm working five days. I'm at home yep. at my desk on the other two days. If you need me, I'm on Zoom or Teams. You know where I am. Yep. I'm working. So don't tell me I'm only doing yep. three days. That kind of nonsense puts people off. Absolutely. And that's what is being experienced, you know. And I mean, a lot of people have gone back to the hybrid model, you know, earlier than what kind of the official opening was. There was, you know, exceptions made. And, you know, that is what we're hearing, that, you know, even there is this hybrid model, everybody is working, yes, you know, the five days. But, you know, sometimes the people that are in, you know, there's more decisions made you know, in-house rather than, as you say, dialing in on Zoom or whatever. So we need to be careful, I suppose, going forward that it's not just, again, oh, here's the solution for the women, you know, because we have two parents in every household Mm. and I think the narrative really needs to change. Nor did I mean it that way, Angela, at all. Uh, Oh, no, absolutely. I I know, I'm just, Yeah. 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 Hybrid, yeah. hybrid working is, is a huge way forward for a lot of places. I think we, a lot of a lot of bosses just just need to to get a grip on themselves and and accept that that is the way forward for a lot of people. You have a course coming up, I think, in November. Yes. Yep. We have um, sustained female leadership development. So it runs over sixteen weeks, um, and I suppose it it's I suppose a female leadership program that sees a manageable work life balance as integral to women's success. So. You know, we knew the pandemic had intensified the need for this offering, um, but it's also predated the pandemic and it's going to certainly post-date it. So it's a 16-week programme, a mix of masterclasses, group coaching, individual coaching, psychometric reports, and there's also an alumni programme beyond it at 6 and 12 months. So we're we're taking applications for that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're also having conversations, I suppose, PJ, with organisations because you know, if the program is very important and our piece is about supporting women personally, but, you know, organizations, there's definitely things that they can do in terms of their policies. And of course, structurally, you know, if you look at societal, you know, you know, child caring, um, I suppose, solutions that are out there. And I know there are a number of the parties at the moment looking at that sort of thing. But yeah. the more we can have these conversations, I suppose, the more we can get a rounded solution to it yeah. rather than just place you know okay all right listen and i guess if they go and by the way congratulations on your instagram page i i love your little panels and and how they have quotes in them it's really it's a really well, interesting instagram page to to uh, peruse as the words uh, and the link is in the bio to everything else that people need isn't that right it is Absolutely, yeah. So Sustained Female Leadership is the Instagram and the link to everything is in the bio there. Okay, okay. And congratulations to Ingrid. Uh, she's up for a Network Women's Award this week, I think. She is, yep. She was one of the Cork finalists, so she's representing us in the Emerging Business Awards in the National um, the National Network Ireland Awards this week on Friday. Okay, good luck to her and good luck uh, to the future of Sustained Female Leadership. I, I have this big bugbear with bosses who will say, Ash, you're only here two or three days a week. No, I'm working all the time. Like people, this there are control freak bosses out there who want people in at their desks doing work they could be doing quite easily at home and quite productively at home. What's more, have been working quite productively at home for the last 18 or 19 months. And now the boss wants them in so he can watch them. 
get over yourself, like. 1850-715-996. Veronica was on about, I mentioned serpent. Someone mentioned to me or messaged in to say that last night when Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp were all down, that they decided they'd watch telly and they found a thing called serpent. Thanks, Veronica. It's about a guy called Charles and his girlfriend and how they befriend American and Dutch backpackers. Don't want to give anything away, but I was actually carted off to every place he went, like I was in the episode myself. It's that good. If you do watch it, look out for the guy called Kippenberg and his fight for justice. It's one of the best series on Netflix to date for me. Thanks, Veronica. Thank you very much. Also, myself and herself are going through... We we finally sort of re-engaged with clickbait last night. We'd watched it up to episode three or four, I think. And last night we re-engaged with the episode five, which is called the, the the Reporter. Clickbait's great. Some people were knocking it, and they're telling me there's a ma- major twist at the end of it, which you'll either love or hate. But yeah, we kind of we're in there and out, so we're back with clickbait now. See how that goes. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996 On Cork's 96FM. Something else I did last night uh, in between watching a bit of television was I started reading... Uh, the new book by Brian O'Donovan, the RT Washington correspondent. It's called Four Years in the Cauldron, about his time working in the Washington office. And uh, Brian will be on the show with us next week to talk about the book. And with myself and Fiona both traipsed the, the streets and roads of Cork on the press pack with Brian in, in earlier days. So I look forward to that. Uh, that his book called Four Years in the Cauldron. 1850-715-996. Quick mention for someone who I have the odd bit of banter and the occasional row with on Twitter. She's one, still one of my favourite followers, even if we mightn't always agree on things. Uh, that's Erin. And Erin, I know it's a tough day for you today, uh, two years on. Uh, be nice to yourself, girl. All right? Be nice to yourself, because um, that's what mum would want. And uh, thoughts with you that day. 1850-715-996. Now, congratulations on the success of the business. Uh, Raham, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank this, you so much. This is Raham, who lives in Tallaghilty yeah. and has a business called Soap and More. But you've only been here four years. You came from Syria to escape the war. Isn't that right? Yeah, exactly. Just like uh, I came from uh, Syria originally and I'm here in Ireland about four years ago. And I'm really grateful for this lovely country and Irish people all. Yes. You you you, stu- you originally studied English literature. Exactly, yeah, in my country. Um, so how does that uh, lead to making soap? <laughs> like to be honest, um, after I um, finished my study in English literature and came here in Ireland, I did a little, of course, about skincare uh, courses. Uh, so I know what it's like product and ingredients good for skin and for condition skin and types. So that's helped me to do like uh, my line of uh, skincare. I did... Um, like my soap for myself and my family and 
uh, my friend. Uh, after I uh, lost my job in pandemic, I was working in a beauty salon. Mm. After I lost my uh, job in uh, pandemic, oh, my friend say, why you don't uh, start your business and soap? You're making very good soap. So, yeah, it's very good, the idea. And when, when I start, like, I'm really surprised with a huge supporting I received from, like, Irish people. Mm. They are lovely. Yeah, love my product, love my soap. That's what I am here. Good. That's why I'm like continue, you know. Tell tell me a little bit about life before you came here. I think did your husband move here before you? Yes, exactly. Uh, my husband come here to working. Uh, he's working very hard. He's chef, uh, so he's working very hard um, to bring me because just like um, you know a visa and etc. It's not try like easy, you know. Mm. So I came here as a family reunification. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like about two years, two years um, in Syria and my husband here in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. And he came at a time when there was a terrible war ongoing in, in, in Syria. It must have been very frightening being there without him, was it? Um, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Like, um, to be honest, in Syria, really terrible. Um, it's really dangerous. Like when you go out, you can't like, you you don't know if you are come back to your home or not. Really? You know? And, and is, it still, yeah. is it still like that? Like to be honest, yes. Still like this, yes, still. Uh, yeah, it's like awful, yeah. And have you friends and family back there that you worry about? Unfortunately, I have like I have uh, some family and friend over there, but they can't they can't go um, anywhere because I as I said um, to get visa and to travel anywhere it's really hard. It's really really hard from Syria. Mm-hmm. What do you think of yeah. of Ireland? Obviously, you're very happy here now with your business and you're settled. So when, you came, when you came yeah, here first, what did, what did you think of us when you came here first? Where we're very different people. Like, yeah, to be honest, like I'm surprised when I came here. Just like I go, everyone say hi for me. But to be honest, I didn't know who they are. Okay. Yeah. Uh, after that, oh, they just like try to welcome at me. Like even they don't me who I am. You know. Yeah. So I'm really like happy. Yeah, everyone like try to ask about uh, my family. They are safe. Ask like about myself. Are you happy here? Are you good? Like just like they are really friendly. Good. And I'm back in uh, Clonakilty. It's a small town, but it's really lovely. Mm-hmm. Like. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We're very friendly. So, yeah, just... And, and you're, and you're, how, old are your, how old are your two kitties? How old are your two children? Like, I have uh, two uh, son, my son, uh, seven years old. Mm-hmm. And my daughter she is one and two months. <laughs> very good. Very good. And, and yeah. they're, 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 they've settled well. Your son has settled well here. Lovely, yeah. He's like uh, going to uh, school, have friends. So, like when I asked uh, him, he f- completely forgot uh, our first language, Arabic language, and he just uh, speaking English. When I'm asking, oh, what, um, what you prefer here, Ireland or Syria? Oh no, Ireland, of course. So I'm so happy. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um. So, so you'll you'll be on the television on uh, with with Hector on TG Cahir yes. on a program called Teddle. Now, Hector Hector is a strange Irishman. Did you enjoy his company? Lovely, yeah, I'm really enjoyed. As um, like Hector is very gentleman and yeah. is very nice. Just like it's my first uh, time on camera, so I'm a little bit stressful. And he said, "Oh, don't worry, just talk with me. Like, just he try to like call me and." Um, Oh, he's like amazing. Uh, Hector's a great guy. Look forward. When is it? When is uh, Thursday, the 7th of October at uh, half past nine on TG Car is when we'll see uh, your story. It's in the second episode of a series called Tedl. Uh, delighted to see you're doing so well and so glad that you're happy here yourself and your husband and your kids. Rahim, I won't even attempt to pronounce your second name. I'm sure you'll forgive me for that. Raham, thank you very much and congratulations on your success. 1850 That show. Thursday night, uh, um, half ni- half nine on on TG Cahir, Teddle with Hector. <laughs> our, you know our our wonderful diversity of community in Cork and Ireland these days. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine sending Hector? Into, <laughs> like I've great time for the fella. I've interviewed him many times. He's great crack. I love watching him on telly. But God, Hector! Like, is there a madder man on Irish television? And is he more fun to watch? Looking forward to that programme a lot. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, 
it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. From the writer of the RTE hit drama Pure Mule, Eden is a story of stale love and fresh lust in the Midlands. Playwright Eugene O'Brien and Decadent Theatre bring this production to the Everyman Theatre, taking place on Wednesday 6th to Friday the 8th of October. Access all areas. Comedy is coming back to city limits in October with Carl Spain and Barry Murphy playing the venue this Friday and Saturday night. There's also two nights from David McSavage coming up at the end of the month with further details available at the Comedy Club. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. <laughs> Kevin has some good news. Uh, the drought is over. It's back in the shops. Kevin was wondering about draft cans of Murphy's. I mean, the things that people lie awake worrying about at night. Uh, Kevin was worrying about draft cans of Murphy's and he was very put out that his buddy could get them for him in England or in the north, but he couldn't get draft cans of Murphy's here in Cork. And he was uh, thinking, well, we make the stuff like here and why can't I get a can of it? Uh, it's got something to do with the little widgets in the can that gives the little this, this, that, that, the, the supply chain trucks that sort of thing. They're sorted now. They're back in the shop. What I re- recommend you do, Kevin, now, is go out and buy a pallet of it and keep it in storage for Christmas because they'll run out again. Have them, have, actually, have Murphy's got a zero out yet? Because I got a few cans of the Guinness Zero recently. I just tried it. I said I'd give it a chat. Flipping lovely. It's very nice, actually, for those of us who might want to have a drink but would rather not have any alcohol in it. The next time I'm going to anything that I um, that I can't have a drink, that's what I'll be having. I wonder, will Murphy's come up with the same? Thanks, Kev. 1850-715-996. Talking to Margaret Cudigan next. Hi, Margaret. Good morning to you. Good morning, TJ. You want Thank to you talk, and delighted to have you. You want to talk to us about Breast Cancer Awareness Month because in 2017 you were diagnosed with, with breast cancer but you had no idea, no notion, no symptoms. No, and it, it's hard to follow the, the stout story but I'll share my story. So first of all, I'm delighted to be able to um, support the Irish Cancer Society and the promotion that they're doing this month which is Care for Your Pair campaign. Um, my story, I, I guess to start it, it's not any way exceptional. There are far too many people probably sitting in waiting rooms as I did myself mm. listening. And really, it, so many people and far too many people are going through this journey. So that's why I wanted to share my story, that at least mm. if somebody listens and has noticed something and has deferred going getting a check, that they might do it on the back of my story. Sure. So back in April 17, I was a working mom, still am, um, with my I have two young kids. And I hadn't been to the doctor in probably since the postnatal check of my son, who was four at the time. And But I was feeling a bit lethargic, a bit tired. Um, didn't know whether it was anything other than just a busy life. So I went for a full health check with my GP and everything came back normal. But on the back of a single case of breast cancer in my family a number of years previously, um, of somebody who was over 50, at the time I was 43, um, I went and had a mammogram. Now, that day of the mammogram, I, I kind of popped in thinking I'd be 30 minutes in and out. And 
thankfully that day, um, the person who did the scan looked at it and asked me to hang on that um, she just wanted to go get something checked. I still didn't think anything else of it. And I was sitting in the waiting room in CUH. I think it filled and emptied twice while it was there. And I still didn't think this was so far from my reality at the time. I, I didn't think anything. What I found out afterwards was that um, the person who did my scan got me squeezed in at the end of a, a clinic and I had an ultrasound that evening. Mm. It was about six o'clock. And then on the back of that ultrasound, uh, uh, two core biopsies were done that evening. So I finished that day um, where I thought I was just slipping in for a quick mammogram. I met a breast care nurse um, and really, I, I think a reality was beginning to set in when you're after getting the biopsy, you've gone through that triple check. And then all of a sudden, I, something just seems off. So that evening, I met the breast care nurse. She kind of stepped through the next couple of steps that would happen. Um, and then I went home, walked out to the car, got into the car, drive home, drove home. And it was like, you know, did that really happen? Yeah. Um, so bemused, I think, is probably the best way to sort of. You didn't accept that. Yeah. You didn't expect the day to go that way. Like, no, no, and then you start questioning yourself: Did it happen? <laughs> so, um, but we had a family, a kind of a mini break. That was the Tuesday before Easter in 2017. So we went away for a couple of days, and when we were coming home the following Thursday. Um, my breast care nurse, who was my lifeline all the way through the process, I, I barely knew her, obviously, at that time, but she rang me on the Thursday to come in Friday afternoon. And very quickly, um, my cancer diagnosis was confirmed. So that, that afternoon, um, and I really have to call out all the professionals in CUH in that cancer unit are just outstanding. Mm. So they met me. I met uh, my um what I found out afterwards, I think in oncology care, you have surgical, medical radiation. I, my diagnosis was confirmed and what was mapped out for me was the journey that I was just about to embark on, which would have been a mix of um, surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, immunosuppressant, hormone, basically the kitchen sink. Yeah. But that Friday afternoon, I, I on the back of an A4 sheet, it was mapped out for me where I was going to be. Yeah. Um, so then um, I suppose a couple of weeks later, I had my first surgery um, and that was a lumpectomy. And a couple of weeks after that, I embarked on um, chemotherapy. So it was over 16 months, sorry, six months, apologies, 16 treatments. Yeah. And then after chemotherapy, I went into 20 daily sessions of radiation. Wow. So, um, so all in all, my treatment plan from that initial diagnosis was over fifteen months. And, and remember, com- coming back to the coming back to uh, the the start of this, you had no idea mm-hmm. that anything was wrong. No, I, I suppose in hindsight, I and and you do start thinking, but at the time, I probably didn't know how to even check. Yeah. You know, I I would have been. Cancer was so far from my reality. All these breast cancer awareness months or cancer awareness months, I, I didn't associate with it. It wasn't something that was on my doorstep. So I I didn't re- I never checked. I didn't know how to check. In hindsight, I, I breastfed both of my kids. I think there was probably a tenderness there that 
um, I probably just ignored because after for any mother who's after having yeah. a couple of kids, your body's never the same. Or, or so. you probably you probably put it down to tenderness based on yeah. breastfeeding and, and other such things. But you went through what six months of treatment. You Herceptin is obviously a, a drug yeah. that you, and then the story wasn't over because am no. I right? Did you get did did you get word that did you have the Angelina Jolie gene as they call it? Well, I, I, technically, we all have it, but I had a mutation to that yes. gene. So I, um, so at the time of my diagnosis back in April 17, with the foresight of my consultant at the time, he referred me for genetic testing um, after much debate because I didn't have an apparent family history that was relevant. But because of my age, it just didn't fit right for me. So I, and thankfully, I was referred I waited 13 months for the, now I was, and to be frank, I was I was busy going through treatment. And we had a 15 months of treatment that I was, I was stepping through and doing what I was told. And then on the Friday of the June Bank holiday weekend in 2018, I still remember it, I dropped my kids to school and I got a phone call from Crumlin just as I arrived home to say that um, my test came back after 13 months and um, I'd been confirmed as a bracket two carrier. Yeah. So what I was still, and I suppose to give you my frame of mind at the time, I had put my head down, got through chemotherapy, got through radiation, got through the surgeries, and then all of a sudden you're faced with, actually you've probably in excess of an 85% chance of this coming back. And also, I, and that was probably the hardest message I got through my journey um, because it affects you, but it also affects the wider extended yeah. family, which really concerned me. Yeah. Um, but that said, I researched it. I, I got advice, um, and again, the calling out the incredible care between Professor O'Reilly, Mr. Sullivan, um, Professor Corrigan, Doctor Flavin. There are so many doctors and nurses in um, CUH that were just outstanding. Yeah. And from that, then I opted um, to go down the risk-reducing surgery route, which meant that I went initially for. I suppose my risk was elevated for ovarian cancer and also a heightened 85, 90% risk of breast cancer again. So I chose to go for a bilateral salpingorephrectomy. Anybody going through the journey will know what that is or abbreviated as a BSO. And then I also went for a bilateral mastectomy, all with the view I had fought so hard to get through the cancer journey. I wanted to do everything that I can to stop it coming back. Yes. And um, so that's what I did from that time in May, uh, sorry, in June 18. And I had my last surgery just last October 2020. Nice. So it, it's quite a protracted process. Um, but yeah, that was my you journey. Have, you have so a full far. reconstruction, don't you, after the message? Forgive me, Margaret, what is a BSO? I know there's a big name for it. it. But. I don't, it, it, it's basically the um, ovaries and tubes I see. Um, I see. would be removed. I see. So it and it, it was a surgery I thought about, but again, it made sense for me to do it. And yeah. it's it's a difficult decision for any patient. It is. It is um, a very medical but, and, it, and it's a personal decision. Sure, sure. I just wanted to yeah. I just wanted to clarify that yeah. with you. And how are you now? I, I'm great, and I'm um, I go for my regular checkups. Um, I'm really lucky. When when I got my first diagnosis, I didn't think I'd see my kids getting their first communion. My daughter had it. My son's getting it this year. I'm back at work full time and thankfully life is great. So I, I'm very aware of what I would say is that going through this journey, 
Um, cancer doesn't form part of my every day, but the gratitude um, of what it's given me in being aware of checking your body, um, not taking anything for granted, um, I think has been great in my journey. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Tell me so about the Care for Your Pair campaign, which is a fabulous name, by the way. Yeah, it, it, it's great. And it's very much, um, it's it's trying to open up the conversation. It's trying to get people talking. And what I should say is breast cancer is both female and male. Yes. And so men can also get this. And sometimes that's forgotten about. So really, it, it's that we're trying to ask people to open up a conversation. Go find out how to check yourself. Um, and go check. Um, there's a huge amount of resources available on the Irish Cancer Society under Care for Your Pair. And also, it's as groups of friends, let's open up the dialogue. Let's let's take away the taboos and have the conversation. Yes. Um, and really be aware of any changes, changes in size, shape, feeling tired, any soreness, and so on. All the detail is in, in, on the website, and it's really well laid out. There's also a call um, for a drive for fundraising, because obviously the resources within the Irish Cancer Society, like many, many charities, um, are limited. Sure. So they are reliant on all of us to try and drive that fundraising. Okay, all right. And they have a number if anybody would like to contact them uh, for more information if they're worried about anything. That's 1-800-200-700. Yeah, you've got the stats here as well. There's 3,600 women every year diagnosed with breast cancer, but about 40 men. And we we, we do forget that. And, and thanks for... Yeah. For, for mentioning it. Margaret, I wish you continued uh, good health and thank you for being with us. Uh, it's National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. That's Margaret Cudigan's story. Yeah, the Angelina Jolie gene, of course it's the, the bracket gene. It sticks in my mind because she was the first well-known star, if it were, to, to have this or to come out and talk so openly about it. That's why it became known as the Angelina Jolie Jean. Something else that Margaret said, and you know it's it's very important that we say this, she was talking about the brilliant care that she got from the teams at CUH and we spent so much time listening to people's stories on this programme and we listen to many more of them and we'll listen to many more of them again. But they talk about queues and trolleys and waiting lists and delays and things happening to them out at CUH. And all those stories are very valid. But one thing about it, when you get in those double doors into the cancer care or in, in just inside whatever set of double doors you need to be in to get inside, the people in there are brilliant. And we hear about it every year on Radiothon when we talk about people's individual journeys. But it's good of Margaret to mention it again today. And that number again, if you have any concerns... About, about breast cancer would be 1-800-200-700 or indeed if you want to find out more about the the campaign for the month it's cancer.ie forward slash care for your pair. We spoke last week with Harry McCann about his experience as a soccer referee, as a former soccer referee uh, he left it because of the abuse referees get. We heard other stories of refs being abused. Now, down at Y'all United, they've come up with the idea of naming November, the month of November, as a month for awareness, for respect of the referee. Uh, Thomas Clahasy joins me. Thomas, good morning. Good morning. We've heard a lot of stories. I heard another story at the weekend about a ref walking off the pitch 
because stuff was just starting and it was getting out of hand. So we do need to sit back and take a look and realise this is a real problem. Of course, we we need to learn how to accept the the decisions a referee makes during a game, which is probably number one, isn't it? Yeah. Do do you you, have you come across disrespect yourself in 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 youth soccer in in y'all? Look, I think everyone is passionate about the game and everyone has an opinion on the game, but there's a line that you don't cross. There's a line that. That if you cross it, it's, it takes you into another level of disrespecting a referee and making a referee uncomfortable in the venue that he's that the game that he's hosting. Yeah. Um. Everyone goes through these. Everyone sees these events happening to referees, and it's time I think that we all come together and start supporting referees and start showing a lot more respect to them because it's starting to affect development in clubs. Yes. In, in terms of player development, it's probably the biggest thing is, this is really going to affect. I heard that we lost 20 referees this year just in the Munster, the Munster area. So that, that they're big, big concerns at the moment and it's only going to get worse in the future. Mm. And the leagues, the leagues are in demand because there's more divisions. Mm. There's more and more divisions being created because soccer is growing and growing. And what, they just packed it so, in because they couldn't take the grief anymore, is that it? Yeah, you can see, you, you, you see it happen again. It does get a, people do get overexcited and and they get carried away, you know. To try to live inside the child that's playing on the game, I suppose, and the only person that's getting affected is the child and the players on the field. Yes, yes. Parents getting hyperactive on the sideline, coaches, mentors, and and the kids are the only seven or eight or nine. It, that affects them too, doesn't it? Of course, it's because they think it's okay to act like that. I think it's okay to to show that respect to a referee, and that's not right either, is it? So the idea would be that November, and I don't know how you go about getting this um, set in stone or set up, but you want the month of November to be set aside as a month of awareness for respect for the referee. A month for the referees, yes. A month month that clubs, football organisations... the referees association. Everyone can come together and 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 learn the respects up for referees and the, the the care that's needed for referees when they come into the into the venues. Like July, August, September, it's all about clubs. It's all about registrations and getting clubs ready for the season ahead. But there's no season ahead if you don't have ref, if you don't have referees. You that's know, so a very fair point. And you tell me that twenty have quit in Cork recently purely because of the grief that we're getting from the sidelines. Thomas, thank you. Thomas Classy of Y'all United coming up with the idea that the month of November be set aside as the month of respect for the referee. And given what we heard from Harry and given what we've been hearing from other places and from Thomas there now and a story over the weekend that someone just walked off a pitch in the middle of a game because it was getting out of hand and it wasn't the kids, it was the so-called adults on the sideline. Uh, Referees the month of November to be set aside as the month to learn respect for the referee. No harm at all. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Focus what you mean, got my eyes on a prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick, Salah! The 
Fernandez. He's going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live. With now, your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most. With now. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download the Cork's 96fm app. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. He mentioned there of uh, Emma Raducanu in the sports news. That'll be, she comes up against Simone Hellop. That'll be a great game. I hope we get to see that. Probably on Amazon, actually. Amazon are carrying an awful lot of live tennis. If you scroll down through the app, you'll find a lot of live tennis games at the bottom. Their coverage of the US Open that Emma won was absolutely brilliant. She's fascinating. I'm just fascinated by that young woman. She's such an extraordinary player. Um, Vic mentioned there in the bulletin that she's half Romanian. Her story is fascinating. I think I mentioned it during the summer when she was playing in Wimbledon. She's half Romanian and half Chinese. Um, and her parents met in Toronto, I think, and then their jobs brought them to London to work in the financial district, and that's where Emma was born. And she speaks fluent Romanian and fluent Mandarin, uh, because after she won the US Open, uh, she gave messages in both languages. To, to fans um, if, she's just a fascinating young woman I think she's going to be enormous in the world of tennis and it was a real sort of rubbing his nose in it for John McEnroe who was very dismissive of her when she got sick uh, during Wimbledon and couldn't carry on uh, he kind of said she'd lost her bottle I think he I think she she gave him his his answer during the US Open. Now oh, she's fascinating. Uh, I love watching her play. 1850 715996. Can you cook if you were left on your own with just yourself to fend for, or maybe you had to fend for a couple of other people? Could you cook? Could you put together the basic recipes to put a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner together for yourself uh, in the week? Um, could effectively could you create these basic dishes without killing yourself or others? I have to say I am a lousy cook. There's a few things I can do. Uh, my wife has taught me to make a decent omelette, and I can do a shepherd's pie and a few things like that if I have to. But other than that, I'd be a, I would be useless, pure useless. And it's because I think I never learned to cook growing up, which was probably the biggest mistake I made. No one's fault but myself. It wasn't on the school curriculum. I've said this for years on the program that I think every youngster should do home economics up to up to junior cert, at least up to junior cert. Every single youngster, boys and girls, should do it up to junior cert and learn the basics of cooking and the basics of running a home in, in, in school. Because not every child's parents are equipped to teach them. And parents are very busy people. It's something I'll talk about with uh, the author of a new book, which is called simply 
how to cook. Darina Allen, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Good. I, I spent a few You're hours. You're a suitable case for I treatment. Am. I'll have to come up and, and help you. I'll take I, the mystery out of it for you. Then. I, I spent a, a couple of hours uh, browsing your, your lovely book uh, last oh. evening and, and some yeah. fabulous stuff in it. And I believe I could even do it myself. But you talk about <laughs> the, the skill of cooking, the most basic of things. Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, PJ, I wrote this book just exactly for people like you who really think they can't cook and who, you're quite rightly, feel they can't cook, uh, a sort of mystery to them because they never got an opportunity to learn when they were younger and so on. And uh, so this book is exactly for you. And I'm delighted you say that uh, because this is the whole idea that some of the recipes you felt you could actually tackle. And uh, they're very simple. It's back to the basics again, but sort of, and I, I reckon if people had, say, to 20 basic recipes, basic techniques uh, that they could do, um, you know, you could build, as you see there, if you were browsing through the book, uh, most of the recipes have uh, sort of, once you can do the basic part, like an omelette or something like that, then you can do so many variations on it and you can make yummy, yummy meals with not very expensive ingredients and uh, doing a whole lot of riffs on them. Mm. You, you mentioned the omelette and, and one of the reasons that I learned to make an omelette was my wife makes the best omelettes I've ever tasted anywhere in the world. I'm not biased, but I am. But she just <laughs> Well, that's lovely to but, hear. But she does. And like, but yes. then I said, right, I, I, when she's not out, I need to be able to make an omelette for myself and my son loves an omelette. So I kind of learned and she taught me how to how to do it. And I did pick it up. Very, when you're shown the basics, yeah, you can pick them exactly. up quite easily. And it was my own fault as a youngster. I never asked anybody to show me, really. Uh, well, I, I know, but and also everything has kind of changed, hasn't it? The whole economic model has changed, you know, so that now there are sort of two generations in many ways who've never seen their any cooking going on in their kitchen at home. And then now both partners are usually working. So, um, you know, that's the way things have to be nowadays to pay the mortgage and do all the rest of it. And so the skills are not being passed on from one generation to another like it used to be when people had a bit more time. In fact, I'm in awe of young uh, people nowadays who are sort of dashing home, trying to pick up a bit of food for the supermarket, trying to go home, put a meal on the table. It's not easy. So that's why, in a way, uh, both, uh, uh, you know, both home and uh, schools uh, have a sort of uh, uh, a place in all of this. So they, I, what I'm sort of have been, uh, just like you feel very strongly about, is that no boy or girl should leave our schools without being able to cook. And uh, I don't think, I feel in a way we're failing in our duty of care to our young people by actually not making this a sort of compulsory component of our curriculum. Mm. And so many teachers feel very strongly about this too. But you know, the teachers are run ragged trying to cover all the stuff that's in the curriculum indeed. and uh, there are indeed you know there are kitchens in some they're not old schools and of course they do home economics but there's uh, you know not ev not by any manner means every uh, student does home economics and unfortunately also in some uh, schools uh, there can be a sort of slight stigma uh, attached to doing home economics there's a kind of a subliminal message sometimes well look if you're not bright enough to do you know uh, 
uh, science or something when maybe you might do home economics. And I'm always amused by that because the only thing I can do is cook. And I had to battle to be actually uh, uh, when I was at uh, years and years ago when I was at boarding school to actually uh, I wanted to be a chef. The chefs had no status whatsoever. And, you know, eventually I did hotel and catering management. But basically I had to battle to just cook to mm. uh, and so on. And so in a way, and I've had so much fun and have been very fortunate uh, to have had so many opportunities with just that one skill. But back to basics, if you can't cook and uh, if we're not passing on these skills to our children, that we're not giving the, the basic and practical skills to feed themselves properly. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you can't, if you can cook, you can, you know, you can whiz up, take that a few little, uh, even inexpensive ingredients, potatoes, you know, uh, eggs, the magic ingredient in the kitchen and, and whip up a little spontaneous meal. You'll never be short of friends. It's one of the easiest ways to win friends and influence people. You're in control of what you feed yourself to make you give you energy and vitality and everything. And you can get a job anywhere in the world. And mm. let's face it, there's such a shortage now uh, of, uh, you know, every restaurant and, and cafe right. and hotel are looking for people. They're nearly lassoing them in the street uh, to bring people in. Yeah. Incredible opportunities. Yeah. Or you can you know, you if you can cook not only about the the whole thing of your health and all of that, but you can set up a store at a farmer's market. There's so many opportunities. Yeah. Um, and, and now a food truck, all kinds of things. And so there's millions of opportunities. But the most serious thing is that literally people, and, and this was really came home to a lot of people during the pandemic when, you know, there was the, the total shutdown, lockdown, people couldn't travel far and suddenly people who could run the country were at home with a couple of kids and 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 their family and having to produce you know 20 whatever meals a week and thinking I'm at, I had somebody on tears at the end of the phone in, as, you know set, could hardly make toast and this woman could run the country but she had never she had, she had concentrated like so many and like we're encouraged to do mm. on a set of academic skills and had never uh, stopped long enough to actually learn the basics of cooking. Mm. Lived in the city, didn't need, could eat out at the weekends and the kids, drop the kids into the creche uh, on the way to work. Mm. And so suddenly she realised how de-skilled she was in that area, the essential thing for yeah. every day. We're also yeah. surrounded, Drina, by, by stuff that is very cheap and pre-prepared and, pre, and yeah. pre-processed for us and not really yeah. very good for us. But because all we got to do is bang it in an oven for 20 minutes or pop it in a microwave for three, we think, right, that's yeah. food. Your book concentrates on using simple things that are not expensive, but they're pure, wholesome food. And I think... Pure, wholesome food. At a yeah. time that we have such an obesity crisis in the country, we do need yeah. to get back to eating simple food. Oh, absolutely. Uh, kids uh, 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 need uh, need to learn that what we put in our bodies matters. It's, you know, it, it really helps our energy, our vitality, our ability to concentrate at school, our ability to achieve. And it could also, if, could, if this was looked on by the government and Department of Education as a fundamentally essential skill, it could help to address some of the diet-related uh, health issues that you know are are such a problem yeah Mm. just as you say there yeah so if you were to pick a half a dozen things that we should all be able to cook to get us through life what would they be 
Well, the, 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 I'd say the first thing is a loaf of bread. Uh, you know, nobody, <laughs> nobody in Ireland should not be able to make what I'm going all back to front with that sentence. But anyway, everybody should be able to make a little loaf of soda bread. I mean, it just literally mix it around, pop it into a tin or onto a baking tray into the oven. And, you know, you wouldn't have found your car keys and be back from the, the village or the supermarket by the time it's out of the oven. And, you know, every time I've been making um, bread since I was a child, I learned by watching my mother, you know, I never mm. was thought really. And every time I take a loaf of bread out of the oven, I get a whoops in my tummy. It's such a fundamental thing. So bread would definitely be one of them. You mentioned an omelette earlier on. Uh, things like, uh, uh, you know, like a little mushroomy, creamy mushroomy sauce or something that you could actually use uh, as a, you know, as a little as a sauce for a hamburger, as a filling for an omelette, a topping for pizza. Mm. If you had little bits of leftover chicken or bacon, or something you could add those into it and make a little chicken pie you know there's some basic things that you can do so many other variations a tomato fondue for a tomato sauce again the same sort of thing that you can use it for so many different things um, um they that would be good a risotto of course is another marvelous thing to be able to make mm. and then a stew and and, you know, and definitely an apple tart don't we want an oh apple yeah tart? well now you mentioned two um, of my favorite things there <laughs> <laughs> well there's a good the recipe for it's really worth looking now at that recipe it's apple and blackberry pie actually it's on page 170 in the book there but of course it could be any fish you like yeah. uh, in it and that's a wonderful pastry that my mother uh, uh, passed on to me actually because a lot of people think they can't make pastry I bet you think you can't make oh, pastry oh I know I can't make pastry <laughs> well no you will have none of that I know now <laughs> so basically this one you don't even have to put your hands into you can cream the butter soft butter add in the bit of sugar an egg and, and uh, egg and some flour and it's made as though you're making a cake you don't even have to put your hands into it right. it makes the most wonderful pastry that you can use you know for a plum tart or for apple or rhubarb or gooseberry or whatever depending on what time of the year it is and now sure there are loads of blackberries there in the hedgerows at the moment mm. uh, you know this is the time of the year in fact actually this weekend we're beginning here at the cooking school to actually begin to do some of the short courses again now that things are opening up so next Saturday I'll be taking I'm going to do a forage autumn foraging course so I'll be taking people all out around the place to recognise you know the various things that you can eat and there's lots of nuts and berries yes. and all sorts of things at the moment and uh, that's on uh, next Saturday morning actually at 10 o'clock so if anybody wants a, a little walk around out in the hopefully uh, in the in the countryside with that um and that's on this coming Saturday. Okay. Yeah. You also, and, I think, have yeah. a have a petition on uplift.ie about the cooking in the schools. Do you? Yeah, well, you know, this sparked out of this book, actually, exactly the sort of conversation we're having, because uh, the book was launched last week there and I did some various interviews. And then Uplift Ireland, who organised petitions on various things, they contacted me and said, how about you put up a petition, get signatures uh, to give to the to the Minister um, for Education, you know, uh, just to, to ask for practical cooking classes to be Re embedded back in the curriculum again like I say in the beginning of the book and all of that and it's had thousands of signatures at this stage but we want much much more you need loads of uh, signatures to get uh, the government and whatever to have a little look at this and see how we might work together okay. uh, to get cooking um, uh, made a, a compulsory component maybe in junior cert even and transition year to start with okay. so that's if anybody wants to do that we, 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 we've shared that, that link on, you have on our Twitter oh, feed you've we already have, shared it we've oh shared my it, goodness, yeah, yeah. Well ahead, well ahead of me. Well ahead of me yeah. I, I enjoy, yeah. 
I'm enjoying the book and, and I will certainly try to do something out of it without killing anybody but <laughs> <laughs> send me a photo I want a photo Trina oh, thank, thank, thanks very <laughs> much for being with us cheers that's Trina Allen on The Opinion Line her new book is called How to Cook A Hundred Simple Recipes We Should All Know yeah. as I said I can do a shepherd's pie I can do uh, a beef stroganoff I can do a decent enough omelette um, and I can't do much more to be quite honest with you without killing oh and I like I liked barbecue I loved barbecue 1850 can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Question 9. What item of clothing is often double-breasted? Bra. Oh, did I don't did know you the... say that a bra often comes double-breasted? <laughs> 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 like if he brought us to the two gram in a court uh? of, appe- of appeals. <laughs> Could he technically win that case? I think he could. Oh, my God. Casey and Ross in the morning with No DC Cars Blackpool for Skoda in the City, a long-standing tradition in Cork. Open 24-7 at milldc.com. Cork's 96 FM. Right, I think we might have mentioned this before, but Avril Ronan has her back-to-school 60-minute focus on managing family life online. And it's a very important course that she wants families to tune into because we live so much of our time online now. Avril, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Delighted to do so. It's tonight, isn't it? Very important. It is, yeah. It is. Uh, You know what? I think September is that chaotic month when everyone's teachers, parents and kids are all trying to settle in. Um, And uh, we just felt, you know, this is cyber... Uh, awareness month, cybersecurity awareness month, and what better way to to highlight that than to have a webinar for parents out there? It's free to join tonight at half seven, and um, I'll be talking about everything from safety to gaming, social networks, and everything that comes with it. Highlighting all the benefits, obviously, but the risks and dangers that are out there too. And I'll have a Q and A session at the end for parents because a lot of parents have questions. You know, where can people find it? So if you go to trendmicro.com forward slash internet safety uh, on the events page there under Ireland, we have our own Irish uh, landing page and the webinar details are there. Um, I sent them to Fiona too, if you want to share them out on Facebook later or somewhere. Yeah, we'll share them. Um, yeah, and it's great. We're also launching the Cyber Academy today, PJ, and uh, this is something, it's been a passion project for the last eight months during COVID and it's free for kids from 7 to 10. It's geared towards them and a parent can do this at home or a teacher can do it in the classroom. And there's five episodes we're launching today and another five episodes in February. So it's going to be great to have them just at your fingertips. No registration, nothing. It's all there on the website for you to go through animated videos and quizzes and things like that. So it's great to engage kids and parents together. and we talked the last time, PJ, about passwords yes. and two-factor authentication. They're yes. the first two episodes in the series. Excellent. So excellent. get them young. Get the conversation going with kids drill, at a young age. It, drill it into them. 
Avril, have you any idea what happened last night briefly with Facebook? I wish I wish I did. Uh, I was I was reading this morning the what happened on on the the, the value of Facebook overnight. It, it yeah. plummeted by what six billion. Because I'm after um, reading this morning that some fella had to actually take an angle grinder to cut a hole in the side of a server to get a laptop into it to access. That's that may or may not be Irish. true, but that seems to be yeah. what. The, all right, Avril, thanks very much. Avril Ronan, Global Program Manager with Trend Micro. Go to trendmicro.com, internet security, and you'll find all the details. Yeah, that's. I just. It, it may be nonsense. I saw it on, on the Twitter earlier on that I, in the end, in order to gain access to this whole system, which had folded in on itself, and someone is saying, others, some experts are saying it's a bit like locking the car keys into the car and you need to open the car and get the keys. But obviously you can't open the, open the car because the keys are in the car. Yeah, it was a bit like that. The, the fault was something like that. And someone actually had to take the, take an angle grinder to the side of a server to hack into it literally with a laptop to try to halt what was going on last night in Facebook. 1850-715-996 quick reminder to you to join uh, Trevor Wells for Premier League Live on Saturdays from midday at 96m.ie all powered up by Talk Sport pre-match analysis, live commentary exclusive interviews and post-match breakdowns it's the Premier League Live online with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership your sport on your terms stream only the games that matter to you most with now and listen Saturdays on the Crocs 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. Now, Ellen, good morning to you. Is she on? Oh, she's on the phone. On the good morning, TJ. How are you doing? How long are you on the housing list, Ellen? Well, I was, uh, I'm renting since the end. It's uh, 17 years in total that I'm on the housing list. But they backdated me five years from the housing list and they took 12 years from me with a, with a thing that actually went wrong, you know. I've been renting since the age of 17. I'm 34 years of age. Right. I'm, in a, I'm in a homeless shelter at the moment now. Okay. okay. And I was never once being tested by the city council until I went there to put my name down only in the last three or four months. Right. And how come that you lost 12 years of the 17 you've had? What it was is I was renting from different previous apartments. And in 2015, I went and put my name down to go back on my mother's rent book. Oh, I was renting in Shannon Street, right. but it was from the same landlord. I moved to one, a bigger apartment, but I was using, it was the same address, but a review letter never went back to them. That was the only one mistake that could happen. Okay. So then so then they took me they, I was off the housing list. I didn't know. So when I went there in two thousand and fifteen, I put my name on my mother's rent book. They told me uh, that what what payment do you want? I said, I'm on disability allowance. They said, Start next week, pay twenty two fifty, a housing officer will be down to mean test you. Within within that year and a bit there had been no one called to see me, so I thought I was on my mother's rent book. So 
my father, my late father got sick in 2016. So my, my father was put on my mother's rent book. So the housing officer that was putting my father on the rent book said I wasn't on the rent book. So I said, but I went, I went over previous in 2015 with my mother, with my birth cert. Right. And your colleague told me to put me so down. You so you made the changes that you needed to get yourself onto your mother's rent book, but you were yes. never put on your mother's rent book. Yes, that's correct. That's correct, yes. And is that what has led to you now being in a Dell house? Um, well, that's after leading me to where I am because I, I moved back to my mother's in 2016. There, there was too many people living at home. It was overcrowded. I used to get on at home from day one. I'm out of home since a young age. Yes. yes. So I was out, I, I'm in a Dell house now at the moment, yes. Right. And you're still trying to get yourself... You, you want to get back the, the, the 12 years that you're missing. I get back my 12 years after all. All I just want a home is... To, I want my own home to be able to go in and close my door. I know. And no, it's my own after all. 17 years is a long time and yeah. to be only being put back on the CBN for five years. And if and it wasn't, if it wasn't Ellen, if it wasn't for the confusion over the paperwork to do with your mum's house, which wasn't your fault, you believe... Yes, or it's a letter that hadn't been received from 120 Shannon Street from the landlord because I moved to 26 Shannon Street. The details are kind of where, where you're moving to. You don't be naming anybody or giving any addresses. It's, it's, it's probably best not to do that. But so, so there was a mess up in the paperwork. You've lost 12 years, if you like, 12 years credit. So here you are in Adele House now. Looking for somewhere, and you in 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 the council eyes, you're only five years on the housing list. Is that yes? Right? That's correct. Even though they have paperwork from the first of January two thousand and three yeah. from me, knowing that I rented on all these different apartments. And have you copies of that paperwork? Um, it's in with the council. I can get those copies because I got it from the welfare. They rent all the rent allowance receipts, and I gave them into the council. Right. Right, so so you can back yourself up that you that you. Yes, I gave a TD all these copies, and they, he emailed them into the account right. also. I see, I see, I see, and even though you can show that there was a mistake, you're not getting the you're, you're not. I'm not getting, getting the, no satisfaction from them. No, no. Right, right, and how come you ended up in the Dell House? Well, because I'm, I'm not, I wasn't getting like that now. I need my own space. There's a lot living in my own house. And I'm not getting on with my family, to be honest. I don't get on with them. Okay. So I'm in here now. And it's a constant worry all the time. All I want after all, after 17 years, is a long, long time. And for 12 years to be taken back off me. And to be honest, CBL, five years, I never once was offered from the city council a housing, you know? I know. I know, and for 12, 12 years, if you like, 12 years credit lost over paperwork. Exactly, exactly. So I'm after just sending in an NRAP letter again a week ago to them. I've also threshold sending a, a consent form now to try to help me to seek that condition for if I get somewhere for me, you know. And when I, I'm entitled to have, but 660 in the city, there's nowhere to rent for 660 in the city. Yes. You, you'll get a place for, you know. Yes, yes. And and so do you do you do you work, Ellen, or are you? No, on? I'm on disability. I I'm okay. I suffer from depression and anxiety. You know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Just want I I know that you've got some people trying to help you, but you just want to highlight it with us. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. See where it goes from there because I need. I just want. I just need help and to get my own place. That's all. Yeah, you yeah. know. You're going and back. If, to, I think you're going back to education now. Are you. 
I am. I'm Max. I'd have to go back to hairdressing, but I'd be it's only a small shop. But when I have my own proper place, at least I can go back full time to healthcare assistant. That's what I want to do. Once I know I have a home of my own, I'd be able to start my life over again because I went through a lot in my life. I'd have to change my life around. I know. You know? And I think you want to be very clear that the people in the L House and the way they're looking after you, they're great there. But Oh, they are very great. But basically, I get support here, but I just need my own support, my own independence. I know. I know. I know. And it's tough. It's tough when you're a person on your own because you go right to the bottom of the list. Uh, it is, exactly. And that's where, exactly where I am now. So it's nearly 12 years of loss for nothing. And then uh, for five years, I know they're saying that I, I, don't, I just can't make it out at all. You know, I don't know how long I'll be here. And then they say it could be up to seven months. You get a time wasting on Eagle mm-hmm. House. So in the next, I'm here three or four months. So the next step, where am I going to go in the next three or four months? And is that, you know? is that your fear, Ellen, that you'll end up on it's the streets a, in the wintertime? again, yes, because I went, I was, I was on the streets years ago oh, at yeah. the age of 15. So I don't want to go back down that road. I'm after changing my life around so that's why I'm saying all I want to, is to have my own place so that I know I can go back to further and longer again myself you know so I won't be on the street I know I know and that's a fear now you can't that's stay that's going for- to be there constant it's a constant fear I'm worried all the time even when I'm in Eden House it's a constant worry and fear here you know yeah yeah and, and I'm in recovery as well so there's a lot with me worrying you know yeah 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 you seem to have tried everything I have, I have, I have, I have. I have to send in numerous letters. I have tried everywhere. I don't know what my next step is to turn to. And that's why I'm after being to TDs. There's two or three different TDs that spoke with me on the phone as well. They said they'd help me. But I have one TD that isn't working with me all the time. I don't know where to go from here, you know. I don't, I don't know what my next step is to even mm-hmm. try and peel back my ears or for the council to even give me one offer. I'm willing to take anywhere in the city centre or north side, anywhere along which I know it's just a home of my own. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose when you see all of the places boarded up that you could be in. Exactly, because it's everywhere. And you see homeless on the street and know that you could go back to that. And there is a lot of places boarded up. And there's a lot of houses after being built, one and two bedroom apartments that could be given out. Yes, it's true. Ellen, I wish you well. If anybody's listening who's been through what you've been through and you can prove it, there was a mess up in the system, you lost 12 years worth of credit as it were the system now sees you as having been homeless for five years you're actually homeless for 12 years there was a mess up in the paperwork has anybody been through what ellen has been through she's doing her level best she's in the L house now but she can't stay there forever her fear is she end up on the streets for the winter time can anybody offer her any advice i know she's dealing with a couple of uh councillors and TDs, she mentions that Thomas Gould is aware of her situation and doing what he can for her. Can anybody help Ellen, offer some advice to Ellen as to what she might do in the situation in which she finds herself? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With McCarthy Insurance Group Call in person or call them now They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie I might be able to get some insight as to what exactly happened last night with Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp. Uh, but first of all, I want to talk about weather with Alan O'Reilly of uh, Carlow Weather. Alan, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Hearing a lot about October and what's going to happen with it, it's, it's surprisingly benign, shall we say, for the, the 5th of October, but are we headed for wind and rain or what are we headed for? 
We're headed for a right mix of weather, really. And it's going to be a big divide between west and east as well. So Hurricane Sam has decided to head for Iceland, thankfully, not for us. Mm. But as he heads up there, he's quite a large system. Now, he's no longer a hurricane, but he's still a very large storm. And he's going to pull up some very warm air over us, actually. So temperatures are going to rise tomorrow and they're going to continue to rise for Thursday and Friday with some parts of the country hitting 20 degrees probably on Thursday. Nice. Um, now, Cork will probably be only 16 or 17, but still still a good bit milder than what it has been. The problem is he's also going to bring some weather fronts with some very heavy rain, almost like a, a river of rainfall moving up across the country. Now, where exactly that river flows over will decide where the rain comes from west cork in particular is at risk of some very heavy rainfall thursday and friday now some of the weather models are showing over 100 millimeters of rain possible by saturday morning between thursday and saturday that's 40 which could yeah which could cause some problems now east cork funnily enough is shown much less like 20 30 millimeters um, and it's trying to predict exactly where that rainfall amount and where that band of rain will set up, even at this stage, is a little bit tricky. So keep an eye on the weather forecast, but there yeah. is a risk of some very heavy rain, especially Friday and Friday night into Saturday. Now, the thing is, once Hurricane Sam and the weather fronts pass on, actually from Sunday and maybe even from Saturday afternoon, we're going to get a nice bit of settled high pressure over us. Hmm. So Sunday is looking lovely. And the early days of next week are looking lovely. Right. As in, like, warmish, even? Well, as in still 16 degrees, 17 degrees, but lots of sunshine and no rain. We'll, and we'll, no ta- we'll take that for October. We'll take that for you. I was watching your Twitter over the last few days, and I, I started trying to learn that, that, to read the, the, the models that you put up. You were saying that Sam was confusing everything. You couldn't find out where the various patterns were, were intersecting. Has he settled down a bit that way? Yeah, he has. So originally he was kind of looking like he was going to head more our direction. So he was going to kind of, you know, head up the Atlantic and head northeast. But instead, he's heading for Iceland, which we're getting the edge of it. So as I said, the edge of that is still enough to bring us some very heavy rainfall. But um, the weather models were really struggling because he was such a major storm. And he kind of just spun around really in the Atlantic for for a good few days before he started moving north. So the weather models were struggling to try and kind of see what would happen. And and it did show that this ridge of high pressure could build for us next week um, if he did head northwest. And that's exactly what it looks like is going to happen now. So instead of Hurricane Sam coming towards us to bring us some very bad weather, he's actually going to bring us some rain, but then suck up some warmer air and also build a ridge of high pressure and bring us some nice settled weather for Sunday next week. We'll, we'll, we'll take that, Alan. Now, I know that in, in your day job, you work with data and work with the internet and hosting sites. Can you... I'm going to read this to you, right? Because this is... Um, our engineering teams have learned that configuration changes on the backbone routers that coordinate network traffic between our data centres caused issues that interrupted this communication. The disruption to network traffic had a cascading effect on the way our data centres... Commu- what the hell happened at Facebook last night? Do you know? Somebody made a change and somebody basically updated the BGP, which is the Border Gateway Protocol, which is what tells the internet how to connect to Facebook. But the problem was not only could nobody else get to Facebook, 
their own internal systems went down. So if you want to take it, Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp were an island that were working away fine, but nobody could get out onto that island. Nobody could configure it. And then if you take it that step further, even their own staff weren't on the island as such. So they were having to try and get out to, you know, to connect to it. So there is reports of them physically having to go to, you know, a data center in California and, you know, you might be familiar with key fobs and having to scan your car to get into yeah. a building. Well, their internal systems were down. So the key fob reader couldn't decide who to let in. So nobody could actually physically get into the building. Now, I think the journalist that reported, the New York journalist that reported that they use an angle grinder has re- retracted that statement, but it they would have had to physically access the building somehow and physically access the racks to get at the this network switch, connect the network cable, call a console cable to a laptop and basically undo the change and get control of it to allow their engineers to be connect back in from the outside to undo the damage. So they locked them. It's automation. Yeah. P- they PJ, locked themselves like out of the, their own the system. They did, yeah. They locked. They disconnected themselves from from everybody, including themselves, and managed to lock themselves out as well. So they couldn't get back in to undo the change that somebody made. Crack. And and it's such a large network that you would think that one change couldn't have that kind of impact, but sadly it can. Well, so I, I suppose if you're getting, if you get thrown out of the internet by your own change. Yeah, you can't get into change. It isn't. Alan, thanks for that, and thanks for the good news. So we're looking for some fairly hefty rain across Cork Thursday and Friday, but then an improvement coming into coming into next week. No say. problem at all. Cheers, Alan. Thanks, Sirian. Really appreciate it. Alan, thank you very much. That's Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather. Uh, his day job is that he works for a company called Black Knight Internet Hosting. So that's what happened. Somebody made a change in Facebook that locked the internet and locked Facebook out of itself. The Angela Grinder story was a bit of an exaggeration, but they actually did have to literally hack into a server to give themselves access. Actually, Alan, if you went to his Carlo Weather Twitter feed, uh, he wrote a very interesting blog as well on that feed about data centres, which I'll come back to maybe on a different day with him. But because his day job is he works with the internet, he works for Black Knight Internet Hosting, Weather is purely a hobby for the guy, and yet he's been accurate all summer long, which is why we can look forward to the weekend and into next week for some nice weather. But that's what he wrote about about data centers, and there's a big talk now about data centers and getting rid of them and shutting them down and banning them and all this kind of thing. He said, if you want to get rid of data center usage or cut down on data center usage, the best thing to do is kill off social media. Stop people sharing photos and videos for fun and get rid of all streaming services like Netflix. He said, love to see a political party run for election based on that. You find it on his Carlo Weather uh, Twitter page. 1850-715-996. It is coming into the winter. Cork's first ever Alpine Skate Trail is a coming. An Alpine Skate Trail? What's that? And how we go- well, I know what it is. And where are we going to do it in Cork? Bill Kremen, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What have we got? Oh, we're still trying to figure it out. But we're not really... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've been running Cork and Ice for a long time now. Yes. And um, I suppose we've had an unenforced or an enforced uh, break for a year. And we got our uh, thinking caps on and we said, you know what? What would people like? Something a bit different. And we've seen uh, similar... 
skate trails operate really successfully in Austria particularly. And we said, you know, that excites us as a project that excites us. Mm. I said, we've just got to find a venue and park for it. And um, we're blessed with Fota, as you know, with yeah. Fota House and Gardens. And uh, we found a spot down there with uh, working with Brian Murphy and his team and Catherine. And um, we've mapped it out. So what we essentially have is we have a, a track um, that will run for about 450-odd metres, right. three metres wide, and it's going to have, it's an ice trail. So think of the ice rink. It's, uh, the ice rink is, uh, I think, up to 30 metres wide. Right. Three metres wide, you just skate around in a forest trail, and it's going to be magically heated up, and we've got a fantastic lighting designer, Paul, who's putting that together at the moment. It's going to be partially covered, so there will be, for example, a little case rink down there, um, which is the size that people would be used to from Cork and Ice. We're going to have a cover on that. But we've great tree cover down there. I was listening to Alan and the weather forecasts. While we are kind of somewhat concerned about running events in winter time, we're not really. There's so much cover down in Fota that even if it's raining, uh, it's an all-weather event. Right. We'll just, just dress up for the weather. So it'll be in among the trees? In amongst the trees. And you'll be skating to the sound of monkeys chirping from nearby Photo Wildlife Park. It's just going to be an amazing experience. This and is we've incredible. I'm, listen, yeah. I haven't skated in years. I'm very, very tempted myself by this, if I can even stand up on the things at this stage. When, when does it open? So we're opening on the 12th of November, and we're going to run until the middle of January. And uh, I, again, talk, listening to Alan, we've... Um, trying to encourage people to book early because we've been absolutely overwhelmed with the success of the opening um, week already. We're practically sold out of early bird tickets, so we're urging people to get on the uh, on the internet now that it's back and working again and, and book out their tickets as soon as they can because there's of, of my 14 years running ice rings, we've never had demand like we're experiencing at the moment. Yeah, I think people just want to get out and do stuff again, don't they, Bill? 100%. I mean... Um, uh, we've, uh, I think people have been locked up long enough. And, you know, people are developing a new appreciation of the outdoors as well, and they want to spend time outdoors. And I think the uh, event that we're bringing this year just ticks that box. And as I, you know, Christmas was never cancelled, PJ, even in a recession and even with COVID, we still have Christmas, thankfully. Indeed, indeed. So 12th of, and you have a website, I take it? Icekating.ie. Nice and uh, there are, like, as I say, there, there, there's just the last few early bird tickets are for sale at the moment. As I said already, we've just been overwhelmed and um, we're just yeah. really grateful that people are putting their trust with us on, on this event. And just to say as well, again, given the weather, if there's a, uh, don't be worried about the weather done with us because if there's a meteor and weather warning, we'll change our tickets for right. you. Uh, no quibble and uh, no argument. Lastly, is there a huge job, I know, the engineering to keep an ice rink going for yeah. the week... There must be a massive job of engineering to keep a path going. Yeah, it's 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 probably the biggest uh, sheet of ice that uh, ever has been put on in Ireland. And we've done some big ice rinks, you know, I mean, up to a thousand square metres. So, yeah, absolutely. But we're working with fantastic partners uh, who actually have delivered events like this uh, all over the world, including places like Dubai and, and even in Belfast uh, <laughs> two years ago with the Red Bull thing. And uh, so we've got a fantastic team. Brilliant. So you can, actually, we'll, we'll ice skating in Dubai, that's the thing you can spend the rest of the day thinking about. Bill, good luck with it when it opens. And I must, must come down for a go. Oh, the, 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 the biggest child in Ireland will be down there for that one. Thanks, Bill, director of the Alpine Skate Trail opening in 
photo on the 12th of November. That's it for today. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie.